Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in Cars going to festivals. Today, we talk a bit about fire scrying. We're going to provide the actual ritual recording from the main rite at Trillium 2019 first, and then we'll get into the conversation in the car to give you some context. Like most recordings, you'll hear the sounds of ritual, kids in the background, the crackle of the fire, and the voice of the wind. Go over. Having made these offerings, we listen now to the words of the spirits as they are brought to us by this flame. So here, in this space, may the fire show us the way. First we ask, have our offerings been accepted? Flames that dance and cross, meet and swirl. Our offerings are bound and sent above. Yes. Then next we ask, what further needs do the gods and spirits have of us? As the breath is suppressed, the flames require more. They require additional energy from us to fan them higher, to make them swirl and dance. The center of the flames lies still, glowing, but not dancing. And what blessings are given to us that we may fulfill this need. Adjustment, the ability to adapt, the ability to know where the heat goes, to know where the pressure is applied. They give us the ability to adapt to changing circumstances and burn all the brighter for it. Joe of Earth, you have heard these blessings and these omens. Do you accept them? We do. Then let us be blessed. All right, so we're on our way back from a really good Trillium Festival. 
And one of the things that was interesting about our main ritual was that I decided to fire scry for taking the omen. Um, and that's not something that people see terribly often. And we just wanted to kind of chat about that because Michael and I both do fire scrying occasionally. So let's back up first to talk about scrying. Scrying. So scrying is the, it's essentially seeing. Um, so you are looking with your eyes at something that is not a defined symbol set typically. Sometimes there, there's some... Well, we call it, there. yeah, we call it an open set for yeah. divination versus a closed set, which is like the runes or the oem or the Greek alphabet oracle or tarot. Um, those are all closed sets. Each symbol has a meaning attached to it. Yep. And so when you're scrying, and you can think about crystal balls and that traditional... Uh, that, that traditional kind of divination where you're looking for shapes and then interpreting shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, scrying also occurs when you uh, drop wax into water. Yeah, or um, you read tea leaves. Or Yeah, those yeah. are all basically kinds of scrying. Um, but fire scrying specifically... Um, and it's S-C-R-Y. Might as well spell yeah, it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, fire scrying specifically is um, the, the the looking into a fire while in a trance state and seeking the symbols and messages that the fire is able to provide. So your symbols are what's going on in the fire. Yeah, and, the, and there's all kinds of things that, that arise out of that. You can... Like, things you'll notice are things like the coals, and the wood, and the smoke, and just kind of the ways those interact. Leftover offerings sometimes. Yeah, leftover offerings. Um, fire is a very... Living thing. I mean, it's Agni. Um, <laughs> it, it is a god in, in that sense. Um, and when you think about it, the way that I think about it... Um, Agni is a, a Vedic god uh, who is the fire and he is the priest of the gods and he takes our offerings and transforms them and gives them to the gods and then gives us blessings in return. Right. And so... It works really well in in one of our rituals to do fire scrying yeah. um, because he is that kind of intercessor kind of yeah. um, ish. And he's he brings the blessings back to us, so, like, it, it makes a lot of sense. The fireworks is that gate through which all things flow. Right. Um, and whether you see the fire as a god or not, it's a useful thing for us, and I suspect that we both see it kind of that way, or at least partially in that way. It is certainly a living thing when we stare at it yes. and scry. Definitely a living thing. Um, and so it has agency and action which we are then able to, to see and interpret and understand. And that's where the, the information and the scrying yeah. comes from. Um, do you... So I speak a prayer before I do divination. Um, and it's a... When I read Greek alphabet oracle, it's one prayer. But when I do fire scrying, it's a different one. Do you have a prayer that you say? I don't have anything set that I say. Um, I mean, it's not really set. Well, my fire scrying prayer isn't really set, but it kind of is the same concept each time. Um, I call to Agni, 
Um, it, and it doesn't matter for me if it's a Vedic rite or not. When I'm doing fire scrying, I will call it Agni. Um, so you have the relationship with... That's why I have the, the fire relationship. Like, I have a relationship with Hestia, but that's very different right. kind of fire in that sense. Um, so I'll call to Agni, and I'll ask him to be present in the flame. Um, and then I will call to... Um, the little boy of the flame. I do a lot of ancient wise work with a specific spirit who appears as like this little boy who throws things in the fire and can like weave them into different shapes. Um, and so because he has this knowledge of shapes, um, I ask him to help me interpret what Agni is doing. It's kind of fascinating as a little boy since obviously, since Agni and uh and, and those those fire deities are the son of the waters or the nephew of the waters. They have that sort of childlike huh. phrasing. Yeah, I didn't know them. that. I didn't I didn't make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> so now that's something else for me to think about. Yeah, you just chew on that for a little <laughs> yeah, okay. while. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll later. talk about that later after I think about it some. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I I don't have a set prayer, um, but I see that agency in the fire, and I, I try and call out to it as well um, we tend to, to mostly do fire scrying and Vedic rites but it does move around some with other cultures yeah it's because a nice thing to know how to do especially if you're in a ritual and it's like a, a not as formal one and you're like okay who brought a divination set to take our omen and everyone's like uh everyone turns out their pockets yeah <laughs> yeah and Sorry. you're like okay I'll fire scry like that's a yep. thing that I've practiced doing so if that does happen to you, you can always take out a coin and flip it. Yep. Have our offerings been accepted? That's a dangerous thing to ask for a coin, but it makes sense. It depends how much you trust. It does. Anyway, <laughs> um, so what we'll do um, is usually with fire scrying, I get close to the fire. Yeah, I like this weekend I knelt down and brought my face close to the fire. I have to be able to feel the heat. Yeah. And... And the, the variation in heat as well. It's not just the... Um, yeah, like as the light flickers, but also the heat kind of comes in pulsing waves almost. Yeah. Um, and being able to feel that in conjunction yep. with the seeing. To which I will say, make sure that you are on the right side of the fire and that you're not going to have fire blown in your face by a sudden gust of wind. Yeah, that was interesting this weekend because the wind was kind of swirly. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I was mostly upwind. So... Um, and then we, we look for symbols in the fire. And sometimes those might be um, very concrete. So sometimes I will see runes in the shape of the wood in the fire. I almost never see symbols in the fire, like in, in that sense. It's not um, common, but it, it happens. So, um, or the flames might create a symbol like that that I might be that I might be able to interpret. Right. Divination is, after all, an art of communication. Right. And so sometimes those symbols that you know will present themselves because you know them. Well, and one of the pieces of advice I've given to people who want to learn fire scrying is to get familiar with a closed set of divination so that they can learn how to communicate. Because mm-hmm. um, then you're just transferring that knowledge of communication to a different set. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you'll be looking for are impressions. So things that make you think about those concrete things sometimes, or those concrete actions, mm-hmm. um, or they might be entirely abstract as well. 
Um, I know this weekend uh, I was I was asking the questions and you were seeing. seeing. I find it helpful for me, and this is a really personal, like, just preference thing. If I'm going into a deep trance for divination, I want to be in that trance and have someone who is asking me the questions, um, and then I am able to see and say things, say things back. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I made sure to record it, maybe put the recording in the Oh, you should but, put the recording in this. <laughs> uh, we'll see how the sound came out of that. But the, um, uh, I record it because with any, particularly with these open symbol sets, you don't have anything to take a picture of. You don't have anything to retain as physical evidence of the omen. It's just what falls out of the seer's mouth. And so... Yeah, well, and I mean, and I know it happens to other people too, but one of the things for me, when I'm in that deep trance doing divinatory work, um, I'm a conduit. So the words are not for me in that sense. They are just flowing through me, which means I retain almost nothing of what I say. Right. Now, you spoke loudly enough for everyone in the circle to hear, um, but I... Part of the reason that I stood so close, instead of asking my questions from further away, was in case you were too low and I had to to repeat them or back out, repeat yeah. them out, um, and, and do that Delphic middleman sort of thing, which <laughs> is complicated on its own. Yeah. But um, when you when you speak in that conduit way, you speak in a, a very clear English sort of way that says exactly what it is that we're we're, right. we're expecting get as a blessing or as a response to the question. Um, but the interesting thing was um, both of us being fire scryers some of the time um, I was able to see many of the same things in the fire that you were seeing. Um, I forget what the third thing that you... The adaptability. Adaptability. Yeah. I think that's what I said. That sounds about right. Um, we'll find out when we listen to the <laughs> When we listen to the recording. Um, but the, the thing that caught my eye in the fire, I don't know if it was the same thing, but there was a sudden shift in the wood, and one of the logs fell into place. And I had the exact same thought. Um, it was a different word that was in my head, and I don't remember what it was. But when you said adaptability, all of a sudden I was like, yes, that's it. That's when I saw the fire, too. So both of us doing that work we have the ability to, to sort of there's a little bit of external validation I yeah. think in both of us doing that yeah um, one of the things that I want to bring up when you said so you had asked that third question yeah. and when you asked it then the logs moved yeah. um, when you're doing things like scrying or kind of open omens that are happening um, it's really important to set the time and the space Yes. So, and this is where you'll get, you'll occasionally hear one of us say, like, sometimes a crow is just a crow. Like, it's not always an omen. Um, and part of that is that, like, the fire's going to be moving and dancing during the whole ritual. But when you're doing the scrying, you're setting aside the time and the space and saying, I am looking at this part of the fire for the time immediately following when the question is asked. Yep. And that is where the, the communication is going to happen. And you can see the same thing when, like, um, if you're doing bird divination. So you set aside a certain part of the sky during a certain time, and the birds that appear in that space in that time 
tell you your omen. It's not just all the time, all the birds. I, I think of it as an imaginary window. Yeah, that's and a good way to put that. And anything that's outside of the window is not is not germane because you, you can't see it as part of the divination. It's just a thing it, that happens. Yeah, it's it's beyond your field of vision. Um, and by vision, there I have a capital V. Yeah. Um, not the not the lowercase because you can obviously look around and see more, but your field of vision in this case is what you're what you've defined out and marked out to be safe, special and sacred. The those things can color or uh, uh, provide context for what's going on in that particular question. I think, mm-hmm. but they don't always. Um, and if it doesn't feel like it fits, it doesn't fit. The other thing that we've done on occasion, which is actually really cool, is tandem uh, scrying. Yeah. Where we both sit down and we both look at the fire and uh, we spend time answering the questions together. Yes. And that's a completely different experience as well because you're trying to bounce everything off of your your co-seers and 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 like you said earlier it's very much like because we've done it enough together we tend to see the same thing at the same time at the same time but it's also interesting when you're looking at two different parts of the fire and because you have set aside your field of vision to include two people then it is sometimes the interaction of what each person sees is what the meaning is, yep. which I think is really interesting. It is. So, but yeah, it is, it's, this is one of those divination skills that you can kind of practice at home uh, yeah. because you can do it with a candle. I, I find it a lot harder with a candle. It is harder because everything's so focused and your field of vision isn't large. Right. Um, but you can do it. And probably the best example I have of that um, is when I I was doing some ancestor work, specifically some mound work for clergy, and I had a Finn's window. We just made these, and I had this this feeling, this nagging feeling that I should hold it up to my eye and I should look through the hole in the Finn's window. We'll find a picture of that. I would say, a Finn's window is like this, the way that Michael makes them is like this kind of disc of wood that's maybe the size of your palm across um, well some of them are and then it has a little hole in the middle that you can look through the little hole and the rest of the disc blocks out the rest of your vision yep it creates your window it's like a little itty bitty binocular yes that's a good way to put it (laughs) monocular monocular (laughs) Um, but the uh, um, so I held it up to my eye and I'm doing this ancestor work and there's this fire and mound and all this kind of stuff and I get this nagging feeling I should open my eye in the middle of trance. I don't typically trance with my eyes open. I like to close my eyes to yeah, like see too. better, <laughs> oddly enough. And um, and so I open my eye that has the window in front of it, and I look through, and the wick of the candle has twisted itself into the shape of a skull that is burning in the center of this fire. And it's only from this angle that I'm sitting at and looking at it that you can see this. Um, because the wick had just kind of turned in and on, in uh-huh. and on itself. And uh, that, for for a significant amount of time, all of a sudden, 
a lot of my vision work was all about ancestors. It was all about that connection. It was all about those who've gone before. And uh, that was kind of the first key, the first clue. And I wasn't expecting to be doing fire scrying in the middle of that, <laughs> but here I was. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, that was just a, a perfect storm of a fire, a window, and an eye that opened. Um, yeah. I think space. one of the things that you just mentioned makes is what makes fire scrying kind of weird and different is that like when I'm going into deep trance, my eyes are closed so that I can see better. Yeah. But when you're fire scrying or water scrying or using a crystal ball and scrying in some other way, you're going into that deep trance, but your eyes are open and it's a different, like you have to kind of learn to filter out the extraneous information that you're getting from like your mundane self and be able to focus in on what is happening within that field of vision. Absolutely. So yeah, if you're interested in trying fire scrying, uh, then go out, find a place where you can build a fire, sit down, have a couple of questions ready, and see what you see in the fire. Yeah. And let us know about it. Yes, good luck. Because we like talking about it. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.